Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. We also blast each episode and related content from our Twitter at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at BleedCubbyBlue.com. Hey, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and boy, am I happy to be heading to Milwaukee. Are you, though? I am. Because it's Milwaukee. And yeah. It's, but, like, I mean, I guess I guess it's like a home game because it definitely is Wrigley North. <laughs> well, I kind of felt like this series was Wrigley West. I, I kind of did, too, except the Cubs weren't winning the games. <laughs> right, right. It would be nice if they acted like it was Wrigley. I Close your eyes and pretend, boys. We have talked about this before, and I – Let's just jump into this. I, why can the Cubs not perform well on these West Coast trips? Is it the time change? Are they having too much fun in California? What is going on? I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked why these guys can't win on the road, I don't know. I wish I did. It is crazy to me. They are like two completely different teams. Home Cubs and Road Cubs are two different teams. It is yeah. not okay. Particularly in 2019. Um, but this this also, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode. And I, I mean, I, I didn't want to be right about this, but the Cubs were running into a Red Hot Giants team that just keeps finding ways to win. And that's what they did for the first two games. Those first two games were totally winnable. And the Cubs had leads in both of them. And the Giants just, man, pesky. Really pesky. Well, I kind of made made a point of this on um, Twitter talking about it. And it's kind of one of those things that um, you don't know where this Giants team will be come the end of September, beginning of, of October. You just, you don't have any ideas. But here's the thing. If they're beating teams like the Cubs and, you know, whatever their record is now for the last you know, 20 games. I'm sure it's something it's obnoxious. like 17 like, and three. I was just going to say something three. obnoxious, like 17 and three. Um, we're kind of giving them false hope. Like, cause do we really see this team surging and playing this good all the way through the end of September? I don't really, I don't really see this team ending up as a close contender for a wild card. Now, crazier things have happened and I've obviously been wrong because I really predicted the Cubs would take two out of three of this series, but I just think that this is kind of like one of those things where if you want to find silver lining on it, this would be the Cubs way of making sure that San Francisco is not sellers and somebody like Madison Bumgartner stays in the West and and doesn't go to somebody like St. Louis or Milwaukee that could be looking for another starter. Well, I'm definitely here for Madison Bumgarner staying put in San Francisco. I think he's here for it too. And you just that you do not need to come east of the Mississippi, Mr. Bumgarner. You can just stay right where you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the highlights and lowlights from a couple of these games. So in game one, one of the things that I really just wanted to talk about here, did you see this splashdown home run that Robel Garcia hit? It was crazy. I don't think it's landed yet. Has it landed? I think it's still going to the bottom of the bay. <laughs> they were fighting over it in kayaks out there. I this this was a shot. If you have not seen this home run, this is one of the most impressive home runs that I have ever seen. 
The exit velocity was like 112.8 miles per hour. I think it went five or 458 feet or 454 feet or some stupid number of feet out into McCovey Cove. I, I think Robel Garcia is for real. Like this guy just gets extra base hits and strikes out. And if he's getting extra base hits all the time, I'll, I'll deal with a third of the time him striking out. Yeah, I'm totally on board with this kid, too. And I know everybody is like, you know, calm down. It's it's not like the, you know, second coming of Babe Ruth or anything like that. But I get it. He, right now, compared to what we're used to, this dude is a breath of fresh air. I watched him, and not to jump ahead, but just to put it in perspective, his bat, yes. Okay, we're going to have some strikeouts with the walk. The rate is not good. So far, it's been okay because when he hits, he hits monstrous home runs. His glove was, I mean, I don't want to say that it was a concern, but it wasn't like he was an upgrade to anybody else that we had playing second base. Today, he looked phenomenal. He had two outstanding defensive plays. And I don't know about you, but I will take that second baseman all day long. Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing just fine at second base. I kind of never want to see him in left field again, but we can talk about that when we get to game two. Um, he, he seems fine. He seems totally fine. I'm happy with him at second. I'm happy with his bat in the lineup. The Cubs lineup looks fundamentally different when Wilson Contreras is healthy and Robel Garcia is in the lineup and I love it. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And it's also, um, nice to have somebody like Victor Caratini who can come in and, um, and sub in for, for say an Anthony Rizzo and, and still put a pretty good bat in the lineup as well. So let's talk about some of the not so great stuff in this first game. Um, Pedro Strope is really struggling. And I wrote about this for Bleed Cubby Blue. I, I tried to take a look at what he's been doing differently with his pitches and his velocity to see if I could get any idea what's going on here. But the thing that really jumped out at me looking at a whole bunch of fan graphs and baseball savant data is that he has a barrel rate in 2019 of 13%. That is crazy town, and that is nowhere in line with what we're used to from Pedro Strope. Pedro Strope has been the most reliable reliever on the Cubs for since he came for, over from the Orioles in 2013, and I just I, I want him to be that guy again, but he certainly is not right now. His pitch makeup is all different from what he's done in the past. He's really relying on a cutter more than his sinker, and I, I need, we need him to figure it out. And what he's doing right now is not figuring it out. Yeah, it's hard to watch him struggle because you just know that folks um, are quick to quick to turn on him and they forget about how amazing he's been, you know, as a whole for the Cubs. And you, you hate to see, you know, obviously he's not the the young pitcher that he was when he first came over and, you know, even a couple of years ago, he's just been so great all around. So for him to struggle, you know, he's not okay with it. You know, that, you know, there's something, something is there. There's a reason why this is happening. I don't know what that is. I'm not even going to speculate, but I'm just hoping that he can figure it out and become the Pedro stroke that we need him to be, whether or not that seventh or eighth inning guy, you know, we have a, somebody that I'm, feel somewhat confident in putting in in the eighth inning before we get to a Kimbrel. So if, if your job is turning into being the seventh inning setup guy, then, you know, I just want you to be successful at that. And if it's, you know, you're not going to be able to pitch the way that we 
have grown accustomed to seeing you pitch, then at least just figure out a way to be effective in those situations that they'll, that, you know, you'll end up being called on. Yeah. Who's your comfortable eighth inning option, Andy? I, I actually have a couple of guys I'm pretty comfortable with there, but I'm curious who yours are. Well, I would say a mix between C-Shack and Kinsler, but I think C-Shack people, <laughs> I, I joked about this probably even a month ago that there's going to be a day when we're literally going to have to pick C-Shack's arm off the mound and carry it out to him. <laughs> um, because he's, I mean, he has been used so much. But I, I had lunch with a great sports person today, and he reminded me that, you know, C-Shack has a much different delivery, and his, his delivery is not quite as taxing on his arm as a normal delivery. So there is that, and I forget about that. And I, I do know that because they, they he's considered an under underhand thrower. So um, that that part makes me feel a little bit better. But I think between C-Shack and Kinsler, I think they're probably your best bet in the eighth inning. I mean, Kinsler was really good in the eighth inning today. It is um, the 24th. We're recording right after the Cubs have finally won a game against San Francisco. So (laughs) I'm happy to see Salt in the eighth inning um, until hopefully, knock on wood, Brandon Morrow comes back and can take that job over from him. Oh yeah. I, and I actually um, wrote in my notes, which my day got away from me today, but I, I did want to look up and see where we're at. If we'd heard anything on Moro, because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it's, it's quite um, pertinent that he comes back and at least can contribute in some way, shape or form, because I feel like this bullpen has just been, um, it's been kind of a revolving door. So it would be nice to get somebody in there that we know has good stuff and, and can hopefully help us out. Yeah, so, you know, he has been throwing to live batters. He does look like somebody who could be back, and the Cubs are acting like he's going to be back. The fact that he's throwing live bullpen sessions in Arizona is, I mean, my fingers are crossed. I think that that is the difference right there. If he comes back in mid-August and he is back to his old self and just a shutdown guy, that gives the Cubs a really deep bullpen headed into the stretch, and I think that could be the difference in the NL Central. Yes. All of that. Yes. Uh, Speaking of other bullpen people, we talked a little bit about CJ going back to Iowa last time. The Cubs are really pulling the Iowa trigger pretty quickly right now. It seems like they realize, I don't know why it took them so long that they have a half a game lead. Well, I guess a full game lead pending what the Cardinals do tonight in the division. Um, But they are tied with the Cardinals currently in the loss column. And so they are really making some moves to make sure that they put their best possible team on the field. So uh, Carl Edwards Jr. is in Iowa until he figures out whatever is going on and gets his stuff back. Addison Russell was demoted to AAA Iowa today when Wilson Contreras came off the uh, injured list. And that I think probably means that Robel Garcia is going to get most of the appearances at second base for right now, which as we already said, we're, we're pretty happy with. Um, He clearly, I don't know if you all heard this thing on Twitter. Addison Russell was talking about a game he had in the Padres series where he had a billion miscues, like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And he was talking about missing signs and needing more experience and playing time. And I just, I almost lost it. (laughs) It's your fifth year in the major leagues. Like I cannot. This is, um, this makes me, I get kind of uncomfortable when I talk about stuff like this just because it takes me to a level of anger that I'm not okay with about something and somebody that I don't know. Um, 
but there's just, I think probably the best way for me to say this is if you're an Addison Russell defender, please do not follow me on Twitter. Please do not say anything to me on Twitter. I kind of go off a little bit. I don't mean to. It's just something that gets under my skin. And I think my issue is this dude does not take accountability for his actions, whether it's on the field, off the field, whatever. He is a major league baseball player. There is a very specific skill set that comes with that. And he pretty much sat down with Jesse Rogers and listed out things that he would, he did not know or had not been paying attention to that fall directly in that list of things that he needs to be able to do as a professional major league baseball player player. So to me, it is just mind blowing. And, and the way I feel about it is once he put that out there, once he said that to the media, there was no other way for this to be handled. I mean, what kind of precedence are you setting if you let your player go out and say the things that he said, put it out there, and then not make him have consequences? So, I mean, and these are things that, you know, I want to be good at my job. Every day I want to be good at my job. I do something to be better at my job. I, if I did not do the things, the basic things at my job that I'm required to do, I would have lost my job a very, very long time ago. So how this man was still in the majors for as long as he was, and then finally admitted all the things that he was not doing. Thank God. Thank God. The only problem with this is now is he just made himself completely worthless to anything that we could have possibly done with him. So now I feel like he's just going to get thrown into a deal as, you know, a a chip piece, you know, sorry, you just have to take this guy off our hands, that sort of deal, which is fine too. But it's just embarrassing to me to, to not only have a player like this, wear our uniform, but also to just feel like you're okay enough with yourself um, and how you're playing. And, and you don't mind looking your teammates in the eye when you just go ahead and vocalize all the things that you're not doing. That is so basic And so, I mean, everyday parts of the game, it's just embarrassing. So sayonara, don't put any breadcrumbs down because you won't be back, hopefully. Um, You know, it's just one of those things. I'm I'm glad Robel deserves the the opportunity and he's been playing his butt off. And, you know, he's a great story and a a good kid as far as I can tell. So, you know what? Game on. Let's 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 do this. We're one and oh right now. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't have too much to add to that. I mean, I also, obviously, we've talked about it before. There are non-baseball reasons to be concerned about Addison Russell, but this is a pretty big baseball reason to be concerned about Addison Russell. You, it is It is disconcerting to read his interview with Jesse Rogers and think that this is somebody who has played multiple years at the big league level and is still missing signs, really just zoning out on the base paths, not aware of what defensive alignments are supposed to look like. I, that all of it is just, it, it's kind of mind boggling to me. And like you said, I don't know when or if he is coming back. I don't know what, if he'll be part of a deal and what he would bring in a return right now. But I did think it was really telling that even Joe Madden seemed to have some, he, he, he's very reticent to criticize his players. And he criticized Addison Russell about this. Uh, He also, I thought it was really telling. And, you know, part of this, I look, let's just talk about game two and the late innings and how like everything was bizarro world in the late innings with Daniel Descalso coming in as like a pinch hitter for Albert Almora. And then the worst defense defensive alignment possible is on the field. 
because the Cubs are down, but you need Robel Garcia in left and Daniel Descalso is playing second. I, all of it was crazy, right? Like the entire defensive alignment was out of control in an extra inning game in San Francisco, which is one of the hardest outfields to play. Um, but I think that some of that was Joe's hand was kind of forced by these comments and he could not put Addison Russell out there as a defensive replacement late. So he came in, he pinched hit, and then he was gone. And then he went back to Iowa soon as Wilson Contreras was healthy again. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting because frankly, if you had asked me three or four days ago, what was going to happen when Wilson Contreras came back, I probably would have said they were going to DFA Daniel Descalso and bring back Wilson Contreras. And that is not what happened. They sent uh, Russell to Iowa instead. So Descalso lives to see another day in a Cubs uniform at least for now. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is, is just let him go, let Addison go on his own and not have any sort of influence as far as like PR is concerned, because he's going to write his own dang story. Like he's doing this to himself. If he had, had he not come out and said the things that he said to Jesse Rogers, I 90% believe that it would have been Daniel Descalza that would have been DFA'd instead of Addison sent down. But you can't not do anything in that situation. You know, I mean, you have to do something because not only is he becoming a bigger th thorn in your side, but, you know, you can't imagine that his teammates are happy with what's going on either. And that creates animosity. And, you know, I just feel like there was probably a really good vibe and a really good aura going on before he came back. And now I just want to get back to that and just forget he was ever here. Well, I mean, the Cubs were like 21 and 13 before Addison Russell came back. They have been a 500 ball club, like almost exactly the time that he has been back on this roster. Um, and now we'll see what they can do with him back in Iowa and Robel Garcia getting most of the starts at second. Speaking of, uh, game three looked a lot better <laughs> than the first two games in the series. I think we're just going to put those in the let's not talk about them anymore category. The Cubs got scored all of their runs off home runs. The ball travels a lot better during the day in San Francisco than it does in the evening, just based on how the marine layer settles in that park. There were some miscues here. I don't want to pretend that this was a perfect game um, late in the game. Robel Garcia didn't leg out a pop-up and missed out on an extra base hit instead of a single. Kyle Schwarber kind of uh, misplayed a ball in the ninth inning that gave me – I'm not going to lie, Andy. I thought if we had to record this podcast after the Cubs blew another lead in San Francisco and got swept by the Giants, I, I was going to break things. You might have had to record <laughs> this one on your own. Like my entire computer and my mic, mic setup and everything might have been thrown out the window because I just couldn't handle this team anymore. <laughs> I'm just picturing you breaking things. Yeah, I, it doesn't happen very often, but I was on, I was on the verge if the Cubs got swept out of San Francisco by the Giants with like being down to the last strike and their fifty million dollar closer on the mound. <laughs> I, I was gonna lose it. It's okay. Here we are. We're okay now. Yeah, but we're but we're in the happy land where the Cubs won, so that's great. Right. And they they won. They get an off day. They won a game that, frankly, I was really excited to see them battle back in a tough spot. Um, in case you missed it, Lester was sick, so this was a spot start for Chatwood. And I was actually really surprised he didn't pitch in the marathon game, too. But maybe Joe already knew that Lester wasn't 100%, so he was saving him in case he needed to pitch today. Uh, Chatwood, I thought, you know, with, with a couple of hiccups here and there, there were some 
Uh, there were some wild pitches and a couple of walks, but I thought he had a really nice outing, all things considered. The bullpen really held it down. And, it, you know, the bench really stepped up big. Anthony Rizzo got thrown out of this game for, I don't I don't even know what. I was at work and it sounded really sketchy. Andy, can you tell me what happened with this Anthony Rizzo ejection? So I think it was the whole at bat combined was kind of leading up to this. There was a very questionable strike call and he kind of, you, I mean, you can just tell he kind of did a little spin away and, and definitely took a few steps out of the box. And, you know, I, I'm sure uttered some things under his breath that probably weren't so nice. And um, then ultimately he struck out swinging, but was obviously very upset and was screaming and maybe took three steps away from the umpire and the umpire tossed him. So I'm guessing that probably that first questionable strike um, he probably said something in the direction of the ump that just kind of started the the process of him being ejected, but it was a pretty quick toss, I will say. Um, so yeah, but that was, that was pretty much what happened. It was, I think it was kind of a, a building up type situation. Yeah. From what I could hear in the aftermath, it sounded a little bit surprising, um, to Pat on the radio and generally he's I, I consider him a pretty good barometer of when stuff has gone sideways and when stuff is accurate uh, that was the same inning that the Cubs lost Chris Bryant who left with knee pain and hopefully that's nothing serious because he really has been on fire lately and the Cubs need his bat and his glove in the lineup uh, but so you know they battled back they battled back with their bench they did it in a game where they're one of their best pitchers couldn't start. And I thought that was a really nice thing to see to, to get this last win in San Francisco. A hundred percent. I was with my, my very intelligent sports friend at lunch today and mentioned that I did not like starter Chatwood, that I liked reliever Chatwood. <laughs> I am not joking. These words came out of my mouth today. So when I got back to my office and read my text messages that Chatwood would indeed be starting and replace a John Lester, you can imagine how I felt. <laughs> so this was actually a pleasant surprise. So yes, he, you know, he still had five strikeouts. Um, not, not terrible. One walk, some, yeah, erratic, erratic pitches, but nothing too crazy. You know, it was, it was a pretty solid outing for him and I'm happy that we still have him and he's still a cub. And, um, I'm happy to get back to seeing some, some reliever Chatwood cause we had not seen him in a long time. Seriously. I want the rotation back. I want Hamels back. I would like Cole Hamels back. Uh, and I want the rotation back to normal and Chatwood doing the long man thing in the bullpen and Brandon Morrow back and healthy. These these are things I want, Cubs. Get it done. Okay. Well, hey, real quick, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just got something on my on my phone that Chris Bryant apparently caught his cleat in the turf when he was hmm. taking indoor batting practice today. Um, tweaked his knee and it which it had been bugging him all game, but he he said he'll definitely be in on Friday. Okay. Okay. So yeah. good nice. So nothing serious for KB. That's outstanding. Um, last thing before the break, just quickly around the NL Central, things are going to get heated here. The Cubs have a lot of games left against their division rivals. They're headed to Milwaukee. Milwaukee is in third place now. They have been passed by the, a surging Cardinals team. The Cardinals are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They have not played yet on Wednesday, so it's possible that they'll still be just half a game 
in back of the Cubs at the end of tonight. Y'all are Pirates fans now, in case you didn't know. Um, And Paul Goldschmidt is heating up, which is something I've been a little bit nervous about for most of the season. I kind of knew that he was not going to uh, be just an average hitter or below average hitter for most of the season. And it appears that he is picked now to get hot. So I'm a little nervous about the Cardinals. Yeah, agreed. I kind of knew that with Goldschmidt, that was not the player that um, we were going to get that entire season, that it was a matter of time before he kind of figured things out and and got to a place where we recognize him as the Goldschmidt of old. So um, not not excited about um, about this upcoming series with them, because obviously those head to head games give us the most movement one direction or another. And yeah, they're hot right now. There's no denying that. So looking to um, Pittsburgh to cool them off tonight and tomorrow. And then they have the Astros this weekend. So if Pittsburgh doesn't cool them off a little bit over the next couple games, I have a feeling that the Astros might do the trick. One team that is not surging is the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk about the Cubs heading to Milwaukee. And we're back. Okay, so a couple of things about Milwaukee. Last time on the podcast, we talked about the fact that Brandon Woodruff uh, was headed to the injured list. It looks like right as we started recording, Julie Chassin is also probably headed to the injured list. Um, I'm seeing rumors on Twitter that he has an oblique strain, which means the Brewers are down two starters right before the trade deadline. And they have not been a super hot team lately. They were really struggling with the Reds, they're six and four in their last 10. They've been knocked out of second place by the Cardinals. I kind of think we might see a pretty desperate Brewers team this weekend in Milwaukee. What about you, Andy? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, they're freaking out a little bit. They've not been in third for a long time or, you know, anything less than first or second in a long time. This is what I mean. This is when I said that it's a good, it's, you know, you always try to find the silver lining. It was not the worst thing in the world that the Cubs dropped two to San Francisco, keep their hopes alive that they could still potentially make a run. So they keep all their pieces because somebody like Milwaukee is going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at a team to get a decent starter so that they can get back in this thing, especially because that's their second starter that went down this week. So I just, I, I mean, there's, there's a way to look at everything that happens in this crazy game, but I'm telling you that was probably this series while, you know, you and I had discussed it being pretty huge for the Cubs. I think it was bigger for the giants. And I think it probably ended up helping us in the long run. Yeah. The giants are still two and a half games out in the wild card. And frankly, like I, they're close enough. It's Bochy's last year. I can see them choosing to hold on to Bumgarner, to Will Smith, to some of their other pieces rather than selling. And if they do that, that is helpful to the Cubs in their division race because those are all pieces that the Brewers and Cardinals would absolutely love to have. Yes. So, yes, it was not fun to lose two games, but I'm okay with it if that's what it means. Uh, Speaking of pitchers and the Brewers, uh, you've got to imagine this might shift a little bit since depending on when Lester is feeling up to pitching again. But right now it looks like on Friday, the Cubs will be starting Jose Quintana against Gio Gonzalez. Um, Saturday's game will be Kyle Hendricks against Chase Anderson. And Sunday, the Cubs are TBD with Zach Davies going for the Brewers. Anything interesting jump out at you in these pitching matchups, Andy? 
Well, you know how tough TBD is because we've played him a lot <laughs> and worst. he kicks our tush. So More hopefully, TBD, I know. Well, hopefully our TBD kicks somebody else's tush <laughs> this time. That's all I got to say about that. Be scared. Be scared, Brewers. (laughs) TBT is coming. (laughs) No, you know, I'm actually appreciating these these matchups. I think think we're going to see a really solid series of baseball, to be quite honest. I don't think we're going to see the Brewers that have been struggling as of late. They always seem to turn it on for the Cubs which is fine by me. I mean, these guys have got to gear up and, you know, like we kind of joked about, this is basically a home series for us. Um, I've read just over the past week, some of these games in Milwaukee could fill a high school gymnasium. So it's not like they're bringing the crowds and it's on a weekend. So, you know, that the Cubs fans travel, they travel well. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to these guys really feeding off of that. And um, hopefully coming out in an away series and getting a series win this, this series. Quote unquote away series. <laughs> I saw right. something this week that had, and I don't know if it was current. So if it's a couple years old, you know, don't shoot the messenger. This is just me repeating something that I saw on Twitter, but I saw something this, there were signs up for free brewers tickets in Milwaukee. <laughs> It's like free Brewers tickets. Like, come on, people. You won't sell your tickets to people who live in the state of Illinois, but you're going to give them away for free. That's ridiculous. There was something um, one of my girlfriends had sent me a screenshot, and I believe it was last season, where it was like something crazy where one of the fast food restaurants, you could take your receipt to the ticket office or something like that and get like six tickets. That's insane. (laughs) What What are you doing? Except, you know, of course, it excluded like Cubs and Cardinals games or something ridiculous like that. That's when the Brewers can fill their park with the fans of other teams. Right. Ridiculous. So Um, funny. So if you live in the Chicago area or anywhere within driving distance of Milwaukee, you should definitely make your way to Wrigley North and check that out. Um, The Cubs could use your support. uh, Beyond the pitching matchups... The Brewers do have some hitters who have been red hot over the last 14 games. Um, Christian Yelich is still, he's Christian Yelich and he's ridiculous right now and he'll be playing at home. So you'll get to see a bunch of, you know, ridiculous home runs from Christian Yelich. This kid that they called up their second baseman, Keston Hira, I think I'm saying that correctly. uh, He is just out of his mind right now. He is slashing 489, 540, 889 in his last 12 games and, I, he's been worth 1.2 F war in 12 games. Oh my goodness. Like what even is that? Right. How do you, how do you determine that in 12 games? Well, apparently you can, and that's what he's been worth in those 12 games, but some other players who are, are hot right now. And I know this one's going to break the heart of baseball fans everywhere. Ryan Braun is having a nice little stretch right now too. So the Cubs should really, be careful with him. He's slashing 294, 359, 618 over that same period. Yeah, I'm looking at his line from today, and, and he, it looks like he had a pretty good game. And that's the last dude that I want to see um, get hot with us getting ready to come into town. And, totally. Um, Lorenzo Kane looks like he's heating up a little bit, too. And he's also kind of somebody I would consider a Cubs killer. So it's really just a matter of our offense needs to come alive because – you know, we, our pitching can, can hold them down, but you can't win games if you don't score. And I love it when these guys score against Milwaukee. So let's, let's, let's make that the plan. 
Absolutely. Oh, pro tip for all Milwaukee series. If you do not follow Kato Kalen on Twitter already, uh, you absolutely <laughs> need to be following Kato Kalen whenever the Cubs play the Brewers. Actually, you should just follow Kato Kalen anytime the Brewers lose. Um, he is the most ridiculous sports reactionary account that I've ever seen on Twitter. It's crazy. I like follow him just so I can check on him because I feel <laughs> worried about him at some points in the season. <laughs> yeah, I he has a tendency. I've never seen a sports fan that goes so hot and so cold so fast. <laughs> it's amazing though. It is amazing. They're perfect and the Brewers are the greatest team ever and they are going to win all the World Series or they are trash and should sell everything. And he uses a lot of like vomit and poop emojis. It. it it's obscene how many of those emojis he uses. And on that note, that is basically what we are going to be looking for as the Cubs head to Wrigley North this weekend. You can let us know what you're looking for, as always, on our Twitter accounts at Cup of Cubby Blue, or you can follow me at, at BCB underscore Sarah or Andy at at underscore or at BRYZ underscore Blue. Uh, follow us, let us know what you're looking for and go Cubs. This is going to be a real crucial series against the Brewers at Wrigley North. Bye.